0: It's the Skinny Podcast,
1: only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome to the Skinny Podcast, the weekly pre edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Brewing. We look at local sports topics, national sports topics, and I've got a driving tip for the day at the end of this. Oh,
0: that should be good.
1: And I am not happy about it. I'm shocked to hear that. All right. Hit it off, Rick. Skinny Xavier
0: led for 39 minutes Wednesday night in a 66-57 win over Georgetown at the Cintas Center. The Musketeers got 18 points from freshman Kiki Tandy and junior Najee Marshall. They also got a double-double from Jason Carter with 11 points and 10 rebounds and Tyreek Jones with 10 points and 13 boards. Do the Musketeers show you enough to make you think they can revive the season
1: or is Georgetown just not that good? I'll, I'll go with the latter first. Georgetown is not that good. That's that's the starting point. But it was I well, mean, and it's,
0: and it's a good matchup for Xavier too. Yes, I think is the other yes, part of that. Yeah,
1: and look, we, we talked about this last week in the podcast. I mean, this was a winner else game. I mean, you lose this game, I, I'm not even sure this team finishes above 500 if they if they don't win this game because it's a winnable game at home with a week's worth of of preparation. And they came out played like that at the start was a 26 to eight or whatever to start the game, and then you just kind of kind of coast from there. But you're you're not going to String wins together if you don't get Quentin Gooden right, and I still I'm not buying the knee thing, and especially in the post game when Travis Steele says we played the five guys who played the Xavier way in practice. What what did Quentin tweak tweak his knee in practice? I mean, come on now. So I he- mean, look, look, the bottom line is you're not going to string wins together without Quentin Gooden. You're just not. Agree or disagree?
0: I tend to agree that you need him to... You don't have to have him starting and playing 35 minutes a game necessarily. No, I could but see you some need changes him. in there.
1: You're not going to win with playing the seven guys you played last night going forward every single night.
0: I would agree. And I think last night's starting lineup, while it may help them rebound some, and that group did do some good things defensively, and it can be used in some situations, I think that was a group that specifically worked against a Georgetown team that doesn't like to shoot threes, that tries to pound the ball in the paint and draw fouls and get to the rim... I think that was a pretty unique situation that they were able to get away Agreed. with that lineup for. I'm not saying you won't see it again. I'm not saying it doesn't have its place. But I don't think you can throw out three bigs in 2020 in the same lineup and think that you're going to win a lot of games at a high major level.
1: Yeah, the other part too is, let's face it, in that week time frame as a coach, you were probably looking for a sign that either we're going to try to fudge forward with what we've got Or we're going to make a, 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 not a drag, because this wasn't drastic, but it was drastic enough. I mean, your senior point guard didn't play. And, okay, maybe I'll take it your word that his knee was tweaked. I'm I'm having a hard time buying that. I don't know where you stand on that, but I'm having a hard time
0: completely buying that. Yeah, so the whole whole knee thing, basically, I know for a fact that he was at shoot-around. He was a full participant in shoot-around. He was totally fine at shoot-around. And that is when they told the guys who was going to be starting based on the quote-unquote Xavier waypoint from practice, which is a little um, metric system they have that kind of tracks different competitions in practice. And so that's fine. And and that's fine. Yeah, I think that's a a fine way to go about it. And then once they told him that... Um, you know, I don't know that he was real happy or whatever, but he was a great teammate last I saw, night on I the saw bench. Some, I,
1: I didn't see. I, I saw some, some some highlights of that. And I thought, okay, he's he he's seemed to be
0: taking it yes. fine. Um, but yeah, the whole he had a knee issue and it magically happened in warmups thing was a little bit odd. But I'll take them at their word for it. Either way, I expect him to be fine going forward, and it's going to be really interesting to see what his role becomes. The next few games.
1: Now, you follow this up by going to Creighton and winning, and that's always tough anyway. But if you do, then you get a little chance for momentum because you come back and play Marquette at home. You got a road game with Seton Hall, which will be tough, but then at DePaul, which is winnable, and Providence at home, and then. Road games with bubble. I mean I mean they're all
0: tough in the Big East. That's they, the thing. None of those games are already. that different, if we're being honest. Like uh, the Georgetown I, game at home is different. The DePaul game at home is different. Marquette the, at home is a little different. The Providence game at home. See, I think Marquette, I mean, look at the they beat Xavier by twenty last time. You did. feel
1: good about them coming back to your place? I, like I, I, I. I just I think any team going on the road in the league is gonna have a hard time. So Oh,
0: I totally agree. I think every game in this league is going to be a hard time for Xavier, except for there are three games that feel pretty win well, four games that feel pretty winnable. It was St. John's at home, which you already got. It was Georgetown at home, which you already got. I think the other two are Providence at home and DePaul at at home. home. And so those are the two games left that you have that you feel pretty good about. Everything else pretty much feels like a toss-up. For this team, or worse.
1: Yeah, again, I think sometimes just the psychology of winning and maybe doing something different kind of gets guys out of the doldrums because, I mean, you could. The worst part is sometimes you can play really, really well and lose a game and it still goes in the loss column and you can't go. Guys, I don't know. I, th- I thought we played great tonight, but we still lost. So even last night, I don't think they played great. But you can go, hey, we, we won. We, we did. If a- we tweaked a few things, you guys found a way to win. Now let's get some momentum from this. Let's get better from this because they're going to have to.
0: Uh, Travis Steele mentioned before this Georgetown game last year's Creighton game at home, which was the one that snapped the six-game losing right. streak in Biggie's play, kind of got them back on track. They didn't play well in that Georgetown game at all, or in that Creighton game at all last year. But they had a win. Fact, they were down by two with 26 seconds left when Georgetown, or I keep calling them Georgetown, when Creighton threw the ball errantly into the backcourt and gave Quentin Gooden a wide-open layup to tie the game, force overtime, and Xavier eventually won at home. Had that not happened, they would have been seven-game losing streak. Who knows what continues that season? So I think you're right. I think getting this win, regardless of how you looked, which they didn't look great, I think, quite honestly, Paul Scruggs, he shot terribly, and had they not gotten some big shots from Najee Marshall and Kiki Tandy, They are looking at a fourth straight loss here in Big East play and and a game that they should have had. So um, it worked out for them. You know, the the motivational factors that they tried to use, it didn't burn them. I think, you know, the guys seem to respond fairly well. The question is, what do you do from here, though? Because you're right. If you go and you win at Creighton, now all of a sudden you look at Xavier's schedule and you honestly look at it. Just from a results perspective, objectively, and I'm not talking about, I know fans have watched this team in the way they've played and they want more and this team hasn't lived up to expectations in that regard, but if we're strictly talking about the results of the games, if they win on the road at Creighton, they're essentially exactly where we expected them to be.
1: Yeah, because you, you would have stolen one back at that point.
0: Right. I mean, for the whole course of the season. Now, granted, you probably shouldn't have lost that game to Wake because they're terrible, but maybe you should have lost at TCU instead. So, again, I think record-wise, they are almost exactly where you would have expected them if they steal one at Creighton. That's a huge if for this team, obviously. Yeah,
1: no 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 doubt. But uh, I I think the bottom line is you need to get Quentin Gooden's head right, his performance right, and if you can, then I still think you have a chance to salvage this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, to circle back around, I I would agree. I think you're right, especially if they win – you know, like this next game or these next two games – then you definitely feel pretty good about where this team is at. And let's be honest, right now if you look at Bracket Matrix, they're one of the first four out. I know. That's you look a, at the isn't other, that
1: amazing to think of? It feels like they're not even close to being there, right?
0: Well, I think people are so down on because they weren't playing that well, but in reality, their resume still isn't bad. Like, none of their losses have been inexcusable it, losses except for, really, the Wake one was pretty bad.
1: And it also comes back to the fact that what you talked about is you still have a chance to steal two or three really high-tier wins on top of it, so you can add to that resume.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, when you start looking at those other teams that are in with Xavier at the first four out and then the last four in it's like they're right there with these teams. These other teams have pretty you know, iffy resumes, and and you don't really think much of them either. So I think this team definitely still has a chance to make the tournament.
1: And I guess the part is you have a chance to control your own destiny as a team, too. It's not not a—I guess I think fans sometimes, I think you want to be able to back your way in sometimes, right? Of, well, you know, if we can just win these games and lose these games, we'll be okay. No, I mean, go win some games. I mean, that's what this is all about. And you have a chance to do that and add your resume.
0: Exactly right. Speaking of uh, controlling your own destiny or backing your way in, Cincinnati went on the road and beat Temple 89 82 Wednesday night. The Bearcats were 28 of 34 at the free throw line in the win. Jaron Cumberland led the way with 22 points on 4 of 11 shooting. He was 13 of 14 from the free throw line. Chris Vogt added 18 points. Trey Scott had a double double with 16 points, 11 boards. And Javen Cumberland hit 4 of 8 from deep to finish with 15. What about Cincinnati, Skinny? Have the Bearcats shown you enough to make you think they can still turn their season around?
1: They they have. Last night was one of those teeter-on-the-brink games, too, right? Your, Temple's not very good, but they're not completely the dregs of the league. It's one of those 50-50 road games you need to go get because you're probably on a neutral site better. And I don't even say probably, you are better. Yeah, definitely. So I I, I think the fact that they did go there and, and find a way to win shows me that they're taking some steps. Now you got two big home games coming up in a row, SMU and Houston. Again, they're home games. You suddenly look up and win those two. You're fourteen and seven. You have a chance to take a step back up in the league. I think if they can win both of those, depending on how it shakes down, they would probably be. I think they're third in the league right now. They'd be second in the league at that point. Maybe depending on how things go, maybe even tied for first. Um, so you've put yourself back in, in the in the mix to a win the league and b continue to to help yourself. Um, I think you're starting to see Jaron Cumberland snap out of some things. I, I you know when I see him get to the foul line, yes, that's a great sign for me. I I, I think that just tells me that he's starting to. To get a little buy into it, and I do. I think they're they're, they're coming around. The, the game last week, unfortunately, at Memphis, it, it felt like they they were on the cusp of stealing that and just couldn't quite do it. And that's where you had to wonder, okay, how, how do they play against East Carolina? Well, they came back and they 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 thumped them from from Jump Street. This game, then follow that up by going on the road at a at a winnable game, but not a not a layup game. and and find a way to win, and they did. So now follow that up by coming back home and getting the two home wins you can get and should get, and suddenly things look up for this team.
0: Yeah, for about a month or maybe more there, after they were, you know, they had those, those issues early in the season when they were at their exempt event and really struggling, and then they came back and it just felt like you couldn't, figure out what to expect from this team from game to game. It's one game they played pretty well, look good. Next game, they look pretty bad. And then somewhere in between the next. Because it was,
1: it was three different inconsistent guys a night or two different inconsistent guys a night.
0: Right. And now all of a sudden it feels like, I'm not saying they're hitting the preseason expectations fans may have had for them, but you at least kind of know what you're going to get out of these guys. You feel pretty confident. If they're playing one of the bad teams in their conference, they're going to be able to pick up that win, even if it's on the road at this point. So, you know, they're in a similar position to Xavier in terms of their resume, where they're at, where they're trying to go, what they need to do, but they have a different issue. Their conference, there just aren't those quad one, right. quad two games ahead of them. At the same time... You can stack up wins in a, in a in a quick fashion. You look at Xavier's slate and you're like, well, how many of these can you actually think are realistic wins? With UCs, you look at it and you like... Well, realistically, show me the losses. They can beat every one of these teams left on their schedule. Now, they're probably not going to do that, but they have—they absolutely have a chance to make a run at this thing. Uh, they're just going to have to be more consistent. I think that comes down to, is Jaron Cumberland turning the corner? I agree with you. When I see him score 22 points on 11 shots because he got to the free throw line 14 times and made almost every one of them, I think he's starting to turn the corner and play more like the Jaron Cumberland they need him to be. And that is a... T- that is a perfect line within John Brandon's system because he's not taking tons of shots. He's still getting other guys involved. And you see that with Chris Vogt's number and Trey Scott's numbers and also Javen Cumberland's numbers, which is a nice boost for them if they can get a shooter off the bench as well.
1: Yeah, and you're starting to get the consistency level from Trey Scott. It feels like, you know, the last two games are double doubles. He's had a couple other decent performances. He wasn't great at Memphis, but he's had some others here of late where I think he's played pretty well. So now I'm starting to be able to count on the old Jaron Cumberland, right? I'm getting double doubles from Trey Scott. You're getting, you know, we all we wondered about Chris Vote after getting out of the the buy portion of the program. How would he perform? Well, he continues to do above and beyond what you could have ever imagined from him. Javen Cumberland in the right role as a spot up shooter is has a has a nice role. I think some of it is. The point guard spot can still be iffy. It cost him at Memphis. You know the, They had, I think, three straight trips or three straight turnovers when the game was in the balance, and it, it took a one-point game to a 10-point game and, and kind of separated themselves. So you need a little more consistency there, but, I mean, you do have good parts, you're trying to get consistent. The thing is, get the consistent performances from those parts.
0: Yeah, I think Trey Scott, he was always a tone setter for Mick Cronin's teams. That's what made him good, right? He brought that energy and toughness that Mick loved. I think he's starting to find a way to be that same tone setter for john Brannon's team now and that is making a big difference for these guys i i do think even if his lines don't always look like he's get, providing a ton i think he is a key factor for how they go the rest of the way yeah
1: and, and i didn't even touch on keith williams i mean he's he's still i think there's upside there too well I mean, and, and
0: he, he's been pretty good for yeah, he, right, he was right. carrying them earlier in the year when jaron was really struggling yeah
1: uh, i want to get to chris vote for a second how shocked are you with what he's doing though
0: it's better than I expected, but I and you can go back and listen to our podcast from last year and early this year before the season started. I, I, I always he, I thought said, he would be good. Yeah,
1: I, but I, I said eight and five, and I thought I thought you scoffed at eight and five.
0: No, I th- I thought he was like a ten and six type okay, guy. All right, okay, I thought okay. my thing was he will be better than Nasir Brooks. Yeah, that's what he, I always said. Clearly, is is he will give them more offensively than Nasir Brooks did while taking a step back defensively. He has... Definitely not been the defender that Nisier no. Brooks would have been, but he has been much better offensively than Nisier Brooks he's a would finish. have
1: been. I mean, he finishes. I mean, everything's. Uh, that's the thing sometimes for big guys. You always just assume they're going to finish because they're big, and some of them don't. He finishes. Yeah,
0: He's a guy that you can actually play through a little bit right. in the post. There's not a ton of guys that really have good post moves that finish consistently in this era of basketball, and he is that type of guy for you. But we saw some of this... At NKU, he was stuck behind Drew McDonald sure, last year and sure. still coming into his own. And again, I can't say enough about what the offseason strength and conditioning program and work that he did at UC has done for his confidence, because now he's not getting pushed around at all. And how about him as a free throw shooter? Because
1: he was a disaster at NKU. Yeah. Right now, again, smaller sample size, but he's he's, he's now a consistent 65% guy. That's, and then last night was, what, 8 of 9, 9 of 10, something like that? That's pretty yeah, good. he's really
0: worked on that part of his game hard, and, and it shows. All right, skinny NKU made easy work of Youngstown State 88 63 and Cleveland State 75 49 over the weekend to move to 6 2 in Horizon League play. Meanwhile, up in Fairborn, Wright State moved to 7 1 with a 75 62 win over Cleveland State and a 79 72 win over Youngstown State. The top two teams in the Horizon League will square off at 9 p.m. on Friday night at the Nutter Center to wrap up the first half of conference play. What's the most interesting storyline or factor you're watching heading into Friday night's showdown between NKU and Wright State?
1: To see if you're arrested or not before the game. I mean, that, that to me, I, that's. I mean, that that's that's the big one for me. Is I mean, will they let you in, and how will you handle yourself on press row? As a professional of the uh, of the NKU radio network, how will you handle yourself? And they know you. I know they know you. Your your picture has to be up there, and they're going to look and they're going to keep going. Wait a minute, he's he works for them. That, well, sir, you, so you got to go. That to me is the biggest storyline.
0: Look, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that.
1: You're a little worried. There were You're a little scared, aren't there you? There were
0: some tweets and social media posts and maybe even videos that needed to be deleted when I accepted this job as NKU's color commentator that had to do with right State. Receipts. And I'll receipts. also be honest with you that I did tell Tony Counts, my boss at Learfield, who hired me to do the color analysis for NKU, that if I make it past Friday night's game and he doesn't have to fire me... I'll probably have this job forever. You probably will never have to fire me after that point.
1: You got receipts out there, buddy. That's what
0: you, you, They're you deleted know, now.
1: Whenever you hit that button, know this, people. This is a Rick. Rick Boring is going to tell you firsthand there's always receipts.
0: Yeah, there are, but not anymore. I've deleted them. But that's the thing. Before you're about to become like an NFL draft pick, you've got to check your mentions. I did it before I got the NKU job. I took care of myself. So smart. Wright State fans aren't going to call no, me out this that's week. That's a good point. NFL draft picks should be doing the same thing, no, or at least their agent.
1: Start doing it now. That That, that, that yeah. is for sure. Sure. Side so, Yeah, that to me is that's the most interesting. I'm going to tune that. I'm going to tune in, <laughs> and I'm going to look, and I'm going to see when they pan the camera down to press row. I'll go, hey, I know the, I know Jim K. Kel- Where's the? Why is the seat next to him unoccupied? And I'm going to run to my car. and I'm going to have to turn the radio on real fast. And I'm going to go. Boring didn't make it. He just he he tried through the pregame and he just couldn't make it. Yeah,
0: the the real question is, will will they stop me at the door before I even get in? As you alluded to, I think because they'll they tapped on my the picture. shoulder right
1: in the middle of pregame and, and go, this guy give you like the thumb, like you. Got,
0: yeah, or will Learfield have to fire me in the middle of the broadcast for something I said? That's that's a good a good bet to take.
1: Now, can you handle yourself decorum wise during the game? Because I've listened to you; you've done a fabulous job. I listened to for a chunk the other night. I thought you were great, but this is. This has a little fandom part to you, I think, in this. This is kind of almost Dave me Chuck Mayshocky, in a way for for you. I it 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 really feels like it's got a chance for you to like, jump an official's ass and get a T. I mean, you may carry on some Chuck Mayshock tradition here. Or just say something, just blurt out something inadvertently that you really want to grab back and you just couldn't do it. I'm, not, I'm worried about you on this, man. I, I really am. I'm
0: not saying you're wrong. I'm feeling all, I know I'm not wrong. all of the things that you're saying right now to, to be true. I will say this. If I happen to yell at an official or something like that like Chuck Mayshock did, that'll be the end of the tradition for me because Jim Kelch will fire me on the <laughs> spot. I, he will have no more of that. The man is a professional. He's not going to let me get away with any of that, but... Uh yeah, no, I I am a little bit concerned about myself and 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 handling it, but I'll try to be on my best behavior.
1: Will you uh, Will you stop for like a, a pregame meal somewhere in the Dayton area, in the Fairborn area, even maybe Beaver Creek Kettering, somewhere along those lines? Miamisburg is Miamisburg okay? Skinny, I like Miamisburg.
0: You know, we were talking about this exact thing, and Jim wanted to stop at like some pizza joint or something yes. in a surrounding neighborhood, and I was like, Is it Crestview Hills?
1: Is it Erlanger? Cause if not, all right. So, so where would the greater Dayton area start for you? It would it be like Springboro ish? Would it be Middletown? Any south of Middletown you feel good about?
0: You know when you're driving up the highway in that direction, mm-hmm. and you got like your vents on in the car, cause you want a little airflow. That moment when the stench starts to come through inside your car, and you start to smell the you know failure what, and construction. Do you
1: know what mile marker that might be, though? Uh, is, it, is there a line of demarcation? There's got to be a line of demarcation.
0: I, I, I'm not sure exactly where it is, but you'll know it when you smell it. I, trust me. Just, just drive Miami's with your vent
1: open. Miami's works a nice little Maybe crack
0: a window. You'll recognize it when you get in that part. It's a lot like driving through Gary, Indiana.
1: Well, Gary, Indiana, I will not get off. I mean, literally, a friend of mine and I, we, we truly believe that Gary, Indiana is like a... It's like a republic. We call it the People's Republic of Gary. I mean, there, there's no question in my mind that is a separate country of some kind.
0: It's probably radioactive.
1: No, because what was the the, the movie with, uh, um, oh my gosh, Kurt Russell, uh, Escape from New York, where he was Snake Plissken. That's he was kind of like that's kind of what Gary is. It's got its own little separate entity in there. No one gets in, no one comes out.
0: I missed that movie.
1: Oh yeah, Snake Plissken, look him up. Okay. It was awesome. <laughs> what a character. Check, I'll have to check that Donald out. Donald Pleasance played the president. It was a fabulous movie. He tried to go save him. Sounds like it. And he did. He did go save him. Do you have any actual thoughts on
0: right State NKU?
1: Well, where does Dantez Walton stand?
0: I do not expect him to play in this game.
1: Okay. I've... Understood. He's getting better for whatever that means.
0: Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been in the book for any of these games or anything yet. We have seen him out there warming up with the team. He, he looks to be pretty good. He's dressed the last few games, but he has not been in the scorebook.
1: I, I, I guess the one for me is: What do they need out of Tyler Sharp? Do they need a thirty-point game? Can they survive without a thirty-point game? Now they did the. I mean, he had eighteen in the last game, but they played an overmatched Cleveland State team. Um, who who scores if he doesn't score in a big game?
0: Yeah, I think so. That's a good question. for For like light competition, right? Like not a Youngstown State, not a UIC, not a team you're going to run out of the gym and beat by 15 to 20. No,
1: a team what? that I think is capable of taking Tyler Sharp away and then where you're playing those other teams, you got other guys can step up because they're just better. In a game like this, where Wright State's a good team, I mean they're a very very good team. They got capable parts. What happens if they if Tyler Sharp doesn't go off for? 25 30 yeah I think up the slack I
0: think that's a great question to ask now my answer my guess is Trayvon Faulkner can be that guy for them with the way he's been playing over the last two weeks I mean he's shooting he's shooting about 60 percent from the floor in conference play he's shooting really well from beyond the arc in conference play he's a great defender he plays super hard he's he's a star in his role most of the time, but recently he's been scoring really well for him too. I think he can be the type of guy that steps up and gives them that secondary option. And and so it doesn't put as much pressure on Tyler. And now with Jalen Tate being back in the mix and feeling more comfortable too, he hasn't been scoring as much this year as he, as he did last year, but he has been making plays for the team, you know, the last few games and starting to come on a little bit here. So I wouldn't rule him out as, as a guy that can chip in and, take up some of that scoring slack if Tyler isn't able to get off for a 20-plus point night.
1: And then how do you stop William Wampler Jr.?
0: See, to me, that's not the question. I am more interested I in... I just want to say his name. I you know. figured you did, Billy Wampler. You're a big Billy Wampler Love guy. Love me some Billy Wampler. I am really interested in how they handle loud and Love. For me, that is the question mark because all year... You know, a big part of this NKU storyline has been their lack of inside presence. And as we've gotten into conference play, all of a sudden, Adrian Nelson is starting to look like he's back to 100% physically. He almost
1: had a double double uh, against Cleveland State.
0: Yeah, and they've been a lot tougher. Um, in that in that regard, in terms of defending the post and also rebounding. Now, Silas Hideki even came on against Cleveland State and played pretty well and has the past few But that's games. Cleveland State. That's not Loud and Love. Exactly. So, can you do it against the best big man in the conference? Because, I mean, you were pretty good against Oakland. Xavier Hill Mays, a, yeah. a legit player of the year contender in the conference, and also uh, old man Brechding. <laughs> Brechding looks like he's somebody's uncle who shows up for Thanksgiving late every year. He should
1: wear a headband, don't you think? In
0: ill-fitting jeans don't, and a sweatshirt. Don't you
1: think he should wear a headband? Band when he plays, he looks like that guy, right? Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah, he just looks like a middle-aged uncle. Yep, thirty-two-year-old college player, player. thirty solid, solid solid thirty-two-year-old college player. All right, so my main storylines then are: we got three of them. It is you're right. Is how do you how do you defend Loud and Love, and what and and can you at least slow him down? It is who else scores if Tyler Sharp doesn't, and do you survive the game? Those are the three for me.
0: Yeah, I think the only other one I would throw in there is. If NKU is able to pull this one out, or at least just you know plays them down to the wire and feels like this game could go either way, the fact that they do that without Dantes Walton playing theoretically because we don't expect him right. to all of a sudden has to give them a lot of confidence sure. for that end-of-the-year showdown when they're back at BB&T Arena and potentially a third time when they play in the, uh, the conference tournament. And it, and it tournament. sure feels
1: like... These head-to-head games are going to decide the the, the one seed in the conference tournament to me.
0: After this past weekend, when we finally got to see Youngstown State in right. person, they've seen everybody now. Yeah. This is the last uh, the last stop on the, the round, round robin, robin the right. first time through. It feels like these two teams are clearly the best two, even though they both had a slip up along the way. NKU's had two of them. Um, I don't think Green Bay is in that conversation. They although they are competitive. And obviously Detroit, who also beat NKU, is not in that conversation. So, yeah, I think these two are clearly the best two teams in the conference. Yeah. All right. All right, Skinny, let's stick with college basketball for another topic. Two Kansas players and two Kansas State players were suspended by the Big 12 Conference after a massive brawl between the two teams at the end of their game Tuesday night. Silvio de Sousa, the man you might have seen in memes holding a stool above his head during the brawl, was suspended 12 games. His teammate David McCormick received a two-game suspension. Kansas State's James Love was suspended for eight games, and Antonio Gordon got a three-game suspension. Do you agree with the punishments for the brawl in the Kansas-Kansas State game?
1: Yeah, I I, I I, know some people were thinking D'Souza should be kicked out of basketball for life, and I'm not in that That, that Yeah, camp. let's not be silly. But, I mean, the dude did have a chair above his head, and thank God he at least dropped it, and, and he kind of escalated the whole situation. And I think 12 games is, is about right. It's not the full season. It's not the full rest of the season. It takes him... Till late in their conference schedule, maybe towards the end. But obviously, he's back for their conference tournament in the postseason. James Love came off the bench, and you come off the bench – the punishment should probably be higher because that, that's what always escalates it, right? I mean, it's one thing if a couple dudes square off for a second, but once guys start piling off the bench, it's, it's Katie But this was door. such a
0: unique situation because the game was over. So guys, everyone was coming off the bench to begin with.
1: Well, technically it wasn't because there was still a tenth of a second on the clock. The horn had not sounded, so technically it wasn't over at that right,
0: point. Right, I understand, but it's a little bit different than usual. You know, I mean, it's not like yeah. a guy running into the middle of a play. They were already getting ready to stand up and shake hands.
1: Yeah, but again, he sprinted towards the... No, yeah, the, they
0: deserve the suspension. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it was a little bit different. I, I mean, in going. theory,
1: you can argue you could have probably given a, a couple of games to a lot of different guys and maybe parceled it out accordingly, but maybe you, after watching all the tape, realized who really took a the couple of instigators, swings. The main instigator, yeah. The main instigator for sure is the DeSue's. I mean, he blocks the shot, See, stands over him, and then it's game on at that point. Love comes off the bench, and that escalates it. But, and the other two guys, I'm guessing when they finally cut to the tape, they went, alright, he swung, he swung, everybody else is kind of pushing and shoving, and it becomes kind of a the, your your typical push and shove fest, if you will. did did you agree with it? Doesn't sound like you did. Letter well. The 12 games, I think, is a little bit
0: excessive. If he hit somebody with a, a foldable stool, maybe... Let's be clear. It wasn't a metal chair like the WWE. It was one of those foldable stool that like, a band director is uh, is waiting on when he's not standing up directing the band. So it, it, it was a little flimsy plastic stool. I don't think it would have felt very good. No, it probably would not have felt did, very good. The thing is, he
1: didn't swing it. He did
0: drop it. It is less dangerous than him hitting you with his fist. Probably. No, it, not even probably. It definitely is. Um, and also, I would say while by the letter of the law, the way everyone's going to look at it in terms of punishing people, T'Souza is the quote-unquote instigator. But Kansas State is 1,000% at fault for this fight starting. You do not go and steal the ball with 25 seconds left and go up for a layup when you're down by 35 points or whatever it is. And then if you do, by the way, and you get blocked— that guy gets to stand over front of you and flex. That's how this works. You're the one being a jackass. He puts you in your place, and he said, don't do that bleep again would be my guess because that's exactly how you should handle that. Yeah,
1: I, I would tell you that I think at that stage, the white flag has been raised from both sides. It should be. I mean—
0: it, And the Kansas State player was being a punk, doing something he shouldn't have done. He got what he deserved. Them reacting to being would, but, flexed
1: over is their fault. But I would also say this. If the guy goes the other way and makes the layup, does it affect anything?
0: No, not at all.
1: But so doesn't let, let him go.
0: But why? Why should you have to do that? He's the one being the punk. You're now you're allowed. If he's going to keep this going, now you get to go defend his shot, and I blocked you. Okay, and you look like an idiot. I, I, so now the, I, I get guess, to flex to over you. you. I block
1: you out. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a big fan of that. I hate that kind of stuff. I like, understand, part, but he was being a dumbass, I, and I, the game I, was I, over. I'll give you that. He that chased him down to block. It's okay. I'm. I'm okay with that. Of course it is. But but I'm not okay with standing over him and flexing. I'm well, just not. Most
0: me. people aren't. But again, does it does it really matter? Does it does it affect anything if that happens? No. You you take your ass kick. Yeah. And, no. I realize. You were acting like an idiot now, at the end of the game, and you go into your locker room. You don't start a fight
1: over it. I, I heard Fran Fraschilla, who did the broadcast, he was about to cry on ESPN. He was on um, uh, a morning radio show yesterday talking about the, the situation, and he said the kid that stole the ball apparently is just a hyper-competitive kid.
0: No, he's not, because he was that hyper-competitive, he would have been stealing the ball during the actual game and not now, when the
1: game again, was I'm out not, of I'm hand. not disputing that, but I, I'm sure through his mind, it just it, it snapped for a second. Look, I mean, sometimes kids do stupid stuff. There's times you've coached at the end of the game where you say no shot, and you get some, some kid that goes in and dunks it or whatever, goes in and lays it in, and you're like... Dude, I mean, what part of no shot do we not get here? We're not trying to rub somebody's face in it, but the kid loses his mind for a second.
0: I agree. But see, to me, they're all just making the same mistake. Like, so he did that, which was a mistake. That was the first mistake, which started everything. Then he gets blocked, which wasn't a mistake. To me, the block is totally fine. That's what was in the bounce. Fine. Then the flex is another mistake, just like his mistake was. And then they started to fight over that. The Kansas State players were the ones who got offended by the flex and started pushing and shoving and fighting because they were in their feelings about getting blown out against a rival. It's completely on them, in my opinion. And by the way... I don't really care that the fight happened. Like I think when all these people get so worked up about fights, especially in basketball for some reason, because we don't care about them in other sports that much, but in basketball, it's the end of the world every time a, a fight happens. I think all these people forget I th- like, I, I playing think, I, in the driveway with their brothers and their friends right, and I how think, often you used to I think to fight.
1: the only thing with this is, is it, it spills over into stands sometimes. And I didn't know this. I guess that was like a handicap section it spilled into... That's, well, that's a little dangerous. I, right yeah, then. I mean,
0: most of the time, if you're talking about floor seats, the that's is where handicapped people will go. All yeah, the time, no, so I, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I think for basketball fights, the thing is it it, it spills. The, I mean, baseball fights rarely spills into the stands, right? I mean, it occasionally maybe comes along the line. Rarely, no, I,
0: I mean, it rarely. doesn't go into the stands, rarely. but we've seen it right up along the railings with the Reds and Pirates.
1: <laughs> yes, no, but but you don't go into the stands, though. I mean, right. yeah, This literally because there are people on the floor seats and all that. And especially where this one went, where that section was in the back, it went in. It, it went into a to a rough area. But I guess the good part is it didn't happen on the other end where the students. Can you imagine the student section? How that, that might have gone? That wouldn't be great. That would be awful. I mean, that that could have been awful. So that's why I get there's some reaction to this in basketball fights. Um, and if it had just been the two of them, that's one thing. But again, when the Kansas State kid gets off the bench and teammates follow. Then we got ourselves a problem at that stage. If you know what, you're right. I mean, I, I plenty of times I fought with my best friend. I mean, literally,
0: and st- you didn't care at all about it. Ten no. minutes later, no, and like, it was over. That, oh, it was over. Stupid. It's stuff just half not the time. that big of a deal. Like th- these things happen when you're playing sports.
1: Yeah, I just, but I, I, I do think that
0: guys deserve suspensions for it. But it's not yes. like it's not think, uh, think, the moral think, fabric of our country isn't no, coming apart because there was a fight during a no, athletic I athletic contest. I
1: looked at it more as a, as a, as a. As a Interesting storyline from that night. Yeah, it was
0: great. It was great entertainment, by the way. It was a fantastic fight. Do you take the uh, Xavier UC fight from 2012 or this fight as the better fight?
1: Oh, the Xavier one for sure because blood was drawn.
0: Yeah, there were better punches landed.
1: Yeah, blood was drawn in that fight.
0: This felt a little more chaotic, though, because they did get into the stands. uh, And there were people around. And and I do
1: think there were some players that were trying to help diffuse it, but it it was so much chaos that it was trying to, that's why I think for the, for for the way the suspensions were handed down, I'm going to guess the only thing they were looking for is who swung. And if I, if I just see a bunch of guys pushing and shoving and, trying to clear some stuff out. I'm not going to suspend them because I can't determine what they're trying to do.
0: And that was the other thing about the fight. The issue that they had is they're off the baseline there and immediately guys are fighting on uneven surfaces. So they're tripping and falling right. down and right. into bodies and other people are... It's kind of a domino effect. Made it look worse than I think it actually was. So what,
1: what should D'Souza have gotten in your opinion? Half of that? A yeah. A third of that? I, yeah,
0: I think... Two I th- games? No, I think like a four to six felt... Okay. right. He should probably be suspended a little more. Him and the... Uh, I don't even know who it was now. My guess is it was James Love based on the fact that he got the eight game suspension. He's the one that was
1: at the end of the Kansas State bench that in, came in off black,
0: in the black yeah, t shirt. Yes. Okay. Because I think he's hurt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, He it was the main instigator to me. He was the one who really got the fight going because he my point. came back into yeah. Sousa and pushed him after it was sort of diffused for a brief second there, the initial.
1: And that's why I think he gets the eight spark. games.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think both of those guys you could have you could have knocked that down a bit,
1: but either way, because I think honestly, if DeSouza did what he did, and the Kansas State player responds, I think at that stage, if it's just the two of them, the officials separate them, and nothing else happens. Maybe you bang one for a T, you bang the other for a T, or you just say, listen, point one to go in the game. In battle, let's call it a day. But like once that dude came off the bench, and that's why I'm that's saying
0: Love deserves the biggest suspension for coming off the bench and initiating when he pushed DeSouza back and knocked him down. That's when it became like a real brawl at that point, and, and not just a little flare up right. at the end of the game. Um, I I think the best part of this, though, my most enjoyable part while watching was seeing all the... I don't know if they are real police officers or just security guards in like full tactical gear that were way overdressed for the occasion, but they are just...
1: <laughs> Maybe they knew something was happening in the Sunflower Standing sunflower around,
0: showdown. watching the fight happen with their arms out holding people back despite no one's behind them yes, being held yes, back. Yes. They're on the outermost ring of the fight watching it happen, while meanwhile there are cheerleaders... Inside the fracas and like women who were in those courtside seats, separating the players off of each other. It's just great work by the uh, boys in blue. There, by,
1: by the way, did you know it was the? It's called was it the Sunflower Showdown or something like that? It, that's the name of the, the the rivalry game. Oh,
0: so now they have to change it to the uh, Sunflower Classic,
1: correct? Something like and that. And they
0: need to play at US Bank Arena.
1: No, no, play at Kemper Arena, in Kansas City, if it's still even in existence. No, I, site.
0: I I think a national mandate should be set that every bad fight that happens in <laughs> sports you now have to play at the dump on that, that's a good call the, the ohio river that's
1: a good call so we'll have the sunflower show no the sunflower classic now at uh at, at, seriously what neither what is it heritage bank arena what's the name of the arena now i'm losing my mind on it what's it called the dump, by the, river. dump by the river yeah.
0: yeah uh neither team gets to take any money from it proceeds go to a cincinnati charity i think that should be the rule for every fight in basketball now those to the sunflower society <laughs> all right Staying with basketball for one more topic here. Pelicans rookie and former Duke star Zion Williamson made his NBA debut Wednesday night in New Orleans and set the Smoothie King Center on fire in the fourth quarter as he scored 17 consecutive points during a brief stretch that turned a double-digit deficit into a Pelicans lead. Williamson finished with 22 points on 8 of 11 shooting and made all four of his three-point attempts. He added seven rebounds and three assists. What did you make of Zion Williamson's rookie debut?
1: He looked like trash for the brief time he played in the first half, but my goodness gracious, that stretch was ridiculous. Yeah, he
0: was forcing and pressing a little bit, yeah. had some turnovers. I think yeah. he ended up with five turnovers in this he one. Did. He
1: did. Yeah, he had five turnovers. But my goodness, the stretch where he just, I mean, that was absurd. I mean, just absurd. And and the big questions were, can't shoot it from deep, can't shoot it from deep. Now look, maybe he he doesn't become a 40% shooter and doesn't shoot the ball like he did in his debut, But dude can shoot it from deep.
0: But that's the big thing that stands out from this performance, right? Because that was the whole thing is that, well, he's not really a shooter. He's not going to be shooting the NBA. He's not going to shoot the NBA three at that level. And if he can't, people are going to be able to take away the rest of his game. One, they can't take away the rest of his game. He's too big. Correct. Too strong. I
1: thought the most impressive one was the lob where he caught it kind of cockeyed. With a guy holding him off. And was able to finish.
0: That was just stupid. There were two things that stood out to me. One was the three-point shooting. You go four for four in your debut, it sends a message. I mean, it just does. Like, look at like the guys we've... Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, how much we've spent, time we've spent talking about their inability to shoot. You go out and you get four in your first game.
1: Now the scouting report is going to say can't leave him from there. Now, it may change over time, but right. now it's, hey, if you're going to leave him wide, wide, wide open, he's going he's gonna to make you pay.
0: He may not be a good shooter, but he didn't
1: go two for four or one for three. He went Hell, four two, for four. Two for four would have been pretty doggone good. Of four course. Four for four but was four for four sends yes. a message yes. in your debut. Yes. And then
0: aside from that was, I think you can tell the way other players react to a guy in terms of their athleticism, their strength, just the way they kind of respect them as they're guarding them and playing against them, how good that player is. Zion, ha- guys are looking at him different. They yeah. don't look at him like a rookie. They don't guard him like a rookie. They're not trying to hold him off for rebounds like he's a rookie He's a grown man, and they know he's going to be a problem. I think he's going to be really good. Now,
1: here's why the NBA is a bit of a mess, though, too, is, is look, they got minute restrictions on him, and I, I fully understand all that stuff. But he, he gets them back in the game with that. And then he's done for the night. I mean, in yeah, theory, they that end up losing the it, game. It, yeah. right, in theory, that doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, I, I get the minute restrictions. I trust me. I, I, there's two things at play here, but that almost makes it feel exhibitiony. Like, hey, we'll bring him in, and we'll get a get a taste. And if the game's on the line, it's okay. You're done. Have a good night. Sit down.
0: Well, for them, it really is kind of at this point. I you guess. know, it's it's a lot like the Nationals when they were like con- trying to compete with Strasburg coming off the arm yeah. thing. You know, you, you, yes, we want to compete, we want him to win games, but we're also going to limit to this exact it's, it's number a fan, of it's innings and hard to pitches. to get
1: your arms and your head. Around that a little bit, right? Of course, yeah. In mean, the same with, the, with the whole uh, the whole workload stuff for guys of of not playing but, one day and, and it just that it, it feels like it continues to cheap in the regular season and I don't know the answer to it. I, I really don't. I mean, it workload to get debated. I, I don't know what the answer is because I get it. If you if you're in this for the long play and you know that, listen, I, I'm going to get sixty five games out of this guy. Uh, and I'm going to map out when I'm going to rest that guy. And we're still going to win 56 games. And if he play, we might win 58. And it might mean the difference between a 2 or a 3 seed. It's not going to mean the difference of a 1 seed. Whatever. Or I know we're good enough to get the 1 seed. And I can rest Anthony Davis 10 times a year. LeBron, to his credit, won't rest. But I think that's just LeBron trying to show people how cool he is. Um, <laughs> okay.
0: So you're mad about load management, but when LeBron no, doesn't do it, and I, doesn't I, succumb to it. Then he's just trying to check. No, cool. He's look, a tryhard. Look,
1: I mean, back in the Can't day guys, guys played 82 games. I mean, it, 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 it was a different game. I think people now are understanding what load management is all about, but I also get that when people say the regular season doesn't mean anything, I think it hurts the league. I really it's, do.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I thought Zion's performance last night was kind of big for the league because this year's
1: been nondescript. Yeah. It's, yes, correct. There's no big... Lakers were going to be really good. Guess what? Lakers are really good. Golden State's going to miss two guys who are hurt. Guess what Golden State's done? Missed two guys who were hurt. Milwaukee was the best in the East, and the East isn't very good. Milwaukee's the best in the East. And I mean, the East
0: isn't very... like. That's the thing. I think Milwaukee, everyone wanted them to be kind of the new like dynasty, and everyone's like, Oh, okay. They're, they're the best in the East, but they're just okay. Right. Like, just they're okay. good.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the Harden-Westbrook marriage, is, I don't know if it's going to work, and it doesn't feel like it's going to work. And, it, I mean, it, it he's going to get his, and he's going to get his, and okay. And they're not as good as the Lakers. and So it just feels like we're just trying to rush our way to April, and that's about yeah. all we got. And so the only good thing of last night for the league is you got a fresh storyline. it's a great storyline. Story
0: yeah, it, absolutely. I, and I think um, – I think you know the the load management thing that you brought up is very different from this because this is a guy coming back from injury. I yeah, think I, fans. He just
1: felt weird that all of a sudden he did that to get him back in the game. It's like okay, you're done now. Have a seat.
0: Yeah, it was. Wait,
1: are we trying to win or not trying to win? It is
0: that exhibition feel. Normally, you see something like that happen earlier in the season, right. but when it's an injury situation, it's just different. I think all New Orleans fans understand they want Zion healthy for a long time to come. They're not too worried about their record this season. Um, but it's a, it's a great storyline. I'm really excited to watch him. Do you, I mean, I assume you think he's going to be pretty good I've always thought that you know I yeah. both.
1: I, okay. I've i never doubted it I the whole question of him being able to shoot from deep it's a funky shot man but I've never seen him not make right yep. I mean I think the thing is it just doesn't look pure it's not a sweet high arching Steph Curry rainbow that just swishes straight through his is a friggin line drive 25 footer you don't shoot line drives from 25 feet
0: plus it's never going to look natural to watch a 68 270 pound man right. shoot threes right. like that'll always right. look awkward
1: right He makes, and that's all that matters.
0: Yes, he does. All right, Skinny, let's switch gears to the diamond. Derek Jeter and Larry Walker are the newest members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Jeter, the longtime New York Yankee captain, appeared on 396 of 397 ballots cast by the Baseball Writers Association of America. Jeter's 997 voting percentage moved him above Ken Griffey Jr.'s 99.3% for the second highest ever, behind former Yankees teammate Mariano Rivera, who became baseball's first unanimous selection last season. Walker saw his vote increase by 10 percentage points in his 10th and final year of eligibility on the Hall of Fame ballot. Other names that came up short include Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Omar Vizquel, Scott Rowland, among others. Does it bother you that one of the writers decided not to vote for Derek Jeter?
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: W- it's stupid.
1: You get 10 votes. You mean to tell me you didn't think he was one of the best 10 on that ballot? I mean, honestly, come on now. The thing I think that needs to be and, I, and look I know everybody wants to bash the riders. Look, they've been in charge, they've been put in charge of this from the get-go. So it is still their charge. I do think that broadcasters and other hall of famers and those should also be allowed to vote. I think it's silly that they don't get get that vote. And and it's 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 almost ridiculous. But I, I can't imagine anybody looking and going, One, two, three, four, Jeter, Nah, he's 11, he's 12." I mean, Well, really? don't you think
0: they just withheld their votes, period? And didn't give them to anyone. Said no one was good enough to get in because you don't have to vote for anyone. Well,
1: right? you don't. But if you, if that's it, then just just turn your ballot in. I mean, just turn your right to vote in. I mean, th-
0: I don't know that that's how I've, I want it to be. The Hall of Fame. I don't think ten I, guys I, should I, get in every. Oh no, or I agree anything.
1: with you. You don't. Th- I, I agree with that. But is Derek Jeter a Hall of Famer? Yes or no? Yeah. I mean that. Then that's that's, yes. that's all. That's 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 yes. the only answer. That needs but uh, to be. but uh, yeah, I agree with that. I don't think I it do needs think to be about be him not being in the top ten. I, I think everybody's ballot should be revealed.
0: Oh, 100 percent.
1: And look as as a, as a journalist, I think you're always looking for transparency, right? You want when you ask a question, you want an honest answer. you want transparency and everything. We don't always get it, but we want it. Well, if we want it, then let's be transparent ourselves. and And some of the guys do. I know some guys that actually are proud to show their ballot, and are ready to debate you about their ballot, that's great. A lot
0: of people take a lot of pride in it and spend a lot of time doing it. There's no question,
1: and I respect those guys that do that, because they want to say, here's why I voted for this guy, here's why I didn't. You don't have to agree with it, that's fine. I mean, if somebody wants to tell me I didn't vote for Derek Jeter because of whatever reason that might be, at least I'll respect you for telling me why. Don't give me the, eh, can't have unanimous, come on, that, that. That's not I mean Tom Seaver should have Ken Griffey Jr. should have been unanimous. Ken Griffey I mean, Jr.
0: To me, Ken Griffey Jr. is so easily the most unanimous selection of all time. I don't like Jeter, I could almost see someone... like I don't see how you say he's not a Hall of I don't Famer, either. but I could see him be not being the unanimous guy. You know, to me it's Griffey. Griffey is the one where it's like, how did someone not right, vote for him? And there right, were two right. that didn't vote because for him. Because there
1: was no question about steroids. There was no I mean uh, there was none of that. I mean, he was a superstar among superstars. Yeah. Now, uh, I mean, like for Omar Vizquel and Scott Rowland, no, I, they were they were the guys that I was always considered Hall of Very Good. You're really good. I mean, Steve Garvey back in the day. Steve Garvey was really good, not a Hall of Famer. Tony Perez, I love him. Tony Perez wasn't a Hall of Famer. Tony Perez was really good. I mean, 90 RBIs and you know for whatever 10 straight years, that's nice. It's not great. It's nice. It's a good player. Yeah. You got to feel like a Hall of Famer to me. And I don't know how to tangibly do that. The thing with Jeter is, not only did you know he was a Hall of Famer when you watched him play, do every measurable there is, and all the measurables will come up for him too. All the tangible things will come up for him too.
0: Yeah, and, and Jeter just had such a, a big moment career like he had so many moments along the way that made his feel career feel larger than life that to me there was never any doubt about him getting in I think two things can be true at once one I think the losers I don't even
1: know if Larry Walker's a hall of famer
0: yeah he's a little questionable I'm fine with him getting in I never really care too much about these things and that's what I was gonna say I'd say two things one the losers who don't put someone like Derek Jeter in just because they don't want him to be unanimous are losers, yeah. they're annoying, they're trying way too hard, and I don't know why they get the rocks off on doing something like I that. Don't they probably shouldn't be doing it. At the same time, I don't care near enough to get all up in arms about it and say, like, that guy shouldn't have a vote. Because I do believe, like, look, you're allowed to have your own opinions and like but it's probably a good it. thing that we do. Let's see
1: it. Let me hear why you didn't.
0: Sure. Um, to me, this is different from like the top twenty-five poll in basketball. Because to me, usually the top twenty-five poll is is about people falling asleep, not paying attention to what's happening, and that has real effects on a narrative for a team season, yeah. how they get ranked, how they get, um, get seeded at the end of the time, mean, how they see, get covered the by so- the AP. Yeah, the
1: Associated Press only really basically covers top 25 games.
0: Right. And and your your name and the score, um the scoreboard on espn.com, on the ticker on espn, on fs1, all those things like the top 25 in basketball matters. And usually when people aren't doing it well, it's because they're not paying attention to the whole scope of college basketball. And for that, I think they should have their, their vote revoked for the, the hall of fames. I just don't care enough about it. Like, let, let these old weirdos who take this stuff so seriously and, and think they're the gatekeepers of a sport let them I'm a, have I'm a, it I'm okay with I don't those. care as long as
1: you let me know why you made your decision just be transparent that's all yeah. I'm asking but I mean like
0: this loser I, I mean, I, what could I, this I, loser tell you about his decision that would make you think it's a good idea to not have Derek Jeter on the Hall of Fame
1: I don't think he could of, of but course. I would at least respect that you, you have a reason right. I, it's, I just least... that it's just that he's a nerd and wants to be a gatekeeper yeah. I mean I, I get those that don't vote for Roger Clemens and, and, and Barry Bonds well, I get their reasons let, behind it let's, Although, let's talk about Feels this. like they're inching a little bit
0: closer to it to me roger clemens is kind of iffy i mean he's a hall of famer probably but like barry bonds is the one that kind of really i struggle with because to have a hall of fame and not have the best baseball player of all time in it to me make doesn't make a lot of sense and before his
1: head became a size 63 he was already already a great player
0: he was already going to be a hall of famer not to mention, so many people were on steroids, and we continue to find right. out more and more of them were on steroids. He was part of that era of baseball. Other guys that were on steroids are already in the Hall of Fame. More are going to continue to be put into the Hall of Fame. Now, we may not have all the evidence that we have for well, him, but we, but we know it happened. And for, for him to not be in, it's just silly to me.
1: What, what do we do in 15 years when Jose Altuve has 3,000 hits, and he's certainly going to have a Hall of Fame stat line. Are we going to look back and go, yeah, but for three years he was cheating his ass off, man? He was, he was, Alex Bregman, he was, sorry, man, look at the number. He was for three years there, he was cheating his ass off.
0: You're going to disagree with me. To me, what they're doing is, what they did is worse.
1: See, it's funny you say that. I, I, I had uh, somebody call me the other night and said, if you were to rank the following three, how would you rank them? Would you rank Pete Rose, gambling on baseball, steroid abuse, or sign stealing. And, and,
0: I, and, and I, least it, or most?
1: Uh however you want to do it. I had okay. least least one to me that, that was the sign stealing. Steroids was two. Pete betting on baseball was the worst.
0: See, that's crazy. To me it's the exact opposite. And that's how Pete, some polls had gone. Pete is the least steroids is the second least, and this is the third. It's funny, steroids is the
1: second least on every, I think USA Today might have even done a survey, that's why the question was asked to me. Steroids was in the middle of both, and the narrative was exactly flipped the way you just had it.
0: Yeah, because I think it's in the middle of the spectrum between the two, and it just depends on which you feel is more egregious between the other two. Um,
1: The only reason I, I, I think Pete in the gambling aspect has flipped to the bottom of the rung, because now we have, we're, we're, we have so much legalized gambling that's taking place that we don't see the evils. The problem for me is, at the time he did it, it was an absolute written rule. I mean, there was literally a written rule. You cannot do this. For the sign ceiling, there's no real written rule about it.
0: Uh, yes, there is. Very much so. You can they, they know they're not allowed to use those things. It is written in
1: the rules. But sign stealing has gone on for, for years and years and years. But this isn't sign stealing. This is. is using
0: other it methods is. that you're not allowed to use. I can't believe you defend this still. Yeah, the this sign stealing doesn't crazy. bother me. It doesn't what about bother them wearing buzzers underneath their jersey? You're fine with
1: that. I think that's a little much. Did
0: you see their numbers
1: in yes. the playoffs between home and away? No And question. you don't think it was making a difference for them? I would say change your sequence, change your signs, do it every half inning. If you think something's up, you you can you can change that. I, I mean, I don't I don't know.
0: What when, to I put say. I don't... Guard, when I put my shin guard,
1: my one knee down, that's a fastball. When I raise back up, that's a curve. When I, whatever, I mean, you can do different things.
0: And you think the opposing team should be put, should be inconvenienced and put at that competitive disadvantage every game that they play against those teams?
1: I think you'd mess with them. I think it'd be a good way to mess but what, with them.
0: But what, you, what if you don't know they're doing it? You don't know they're cheating. You're not supposed to be cheating. How I, are you I, supposed to just, I, I would tell you this,
1: if I, if, I, if, I, if I looked at road splits and home splits, I would think I'd assume something.
0: Gotcha. So now it's all, so it, this I mean, is victim enough, blaming at the there, highest there's, level. There's,
1: there's enough analytics that, that would allow you to go, something ain't right.
0: And so, those other teams were supposed to look at their analytics, realize that they were doing something illegal, and that it was exactly this form mess, of Stein stealing. Then, then I'd, mess and, I'd mess with them. I'd mess with them. I mean, the, honestly, th- we, you've to, had some I'd crazy to, takes on I'd this use, podcast. I'd use it to my advantage.
1: This is by far your worst no, take No, I'd use it to my advantage. Th- that makes zero sense. No, I'd and, use it to my advantage. I'd say, listen. No, you hey, wouldn't. Hey, they think this is our sequence. It's the exact opposite. Here's the sequence. And now let's see. Or... I would say this. The next time I threw a curve and a guy stuck over the plate, it wouldn't be a curve. It'd be a fastball at his face.
0: If you found out your team got cheated in a playoffs, in a World Series, I'd figure out something to do. You stop would lose it. your mind and go I, fight somebody I'd over it. i figure out a way to
1: stop it, is what I would do.
0: After 16 seasons and two Super Bowl titles with the Giants, Eli Manning will announce his retirement on Friday at 11 a.m. Manning finishes his career with a record of 117 wins and 117 losses in the regular season, but. A, eight and four mark in the postseason including his two super bowl mvps he ranked seventh all time in passing yards with 57,023 to go along with 366 passing touchdowns 234 starts and 4,895 completions skinny how will you remember eli manning
1: as durable how about that
0: i, I think, think that's, it's a good that's, way that's the it. best
1: that's the best i can do durable and it also feels so unfair to a guy
0: that has two super bowl MVPs i know that beat the best dynasty in all of sports, maybe like it's it's and crazy thing, to think the, about. The thing is, we his hold, hot highs versus his lows. Yeah, we hold
1: quarterbacks though to this weird standard of wins losses, when really it's not completely on them by any stretch. But we do attach that to them. We do, but then
0: usually we hold this crazy standard of
1: did they win the Super Bowl? Right, and he right. not
0: only won, he had two MVPs. Yep, against. The greatest dynasty in sports history. It was stealing
1: his signs. <laughs> that
0: was cheating. It was stealing his
1: signals. It was also deflating footballs. Correct. allegedly. Correct. No, I mean, I, I honestly, I mean, the, the, the durability for him to continue to answer the bell year after year, game after game, through some good teams and some really bad teams, um, and keep fighting through that, I, I think I put him in the Hall of Fame. His numbers aren't, like, way up there, but... You do it twice. Look, you do it once in the Super Bowl, I can consider you maybe a little lucky. You do it twice, and you're the MVP twice. That's probably enough for me.
0: I don't think there's any way I'm going... Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. I I don't know.
1: I think that's enough for me.
0: I don't think there's any way I'm going that far. I will say, he had two just brilliant brilliant moments in his career and in a lot of ways that's what this is about in sports is is being at your best when it matters the most and he did that
1: yeah he was twice
0: it wasn't a fluke he was able to rise that and look it's not like he was ever a bad quarterback he was always one of the better quarterbacks in the nfl but
1: never elite never one of the best except for can you argue was that was around him at times too I'm, I'm not sure the roster around him at times was great.
0: Well, the the ones that went to Super Bowls were yes. pretty damn good. So you, and that's you why they were there. Those, right. Yeah. And, uh, I mean the, the Tyree helmet catch is, I know that gets Tyree gets more credit for it for good reason, but that's one of those iconic plays that I'll remember as long as I live. Yeah, no, I can no think doubt. about right now where I was when I saw that. And, uh, I, it's he has one of the more unique careers in all of sports that I can remember.
1: Well, and I, I'll go back to the. I sometimes equate this to fantasy football when you start talking about Hall of Fame guys, right, and stuff like that. Where did he usually go in fantasy drafts? Probably middle of the pack, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth quarterback. Yeah. I mean, usually not very high, right? So that that seems to feel like he wasn't elite. But man, you do it. You you do it, you do you win the Super Bowl twice, and you're the MVP twice. That's enough for me.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I, I this made me feel a little bit old, though, that Eli Manning is retiring. Because now that's a, a guy that now when I think about it, it's like, yeah, he did get drafted like pr- before I was in high school. But it's, it just feels like he was always kind of one of the younger guys as I was growing up. And now all of a sudden, his career is all the way over. And it was a really long career. I, I'm starting to feel old now, all of a sudden. Yeah,
1: I was covering the University of Kentucky when he was at Ole Miss, and um, this is pre when every game was on TV, and and uh, there was the hype train of Eli Manning was was huge. So he came into Kentucky. I want to say it might have been his first year, maybe his second, and had seen him play maybe a little bit, whatever. Seen some stuff on him. And I remember talking to the defensive coordinator, and he said, I, I like him. I think he's good. He said, but I'm, I'm going I'm to blitz him until he can't get blitzed any longer. So, he, the whole game, they literally they went man-to-man coverage, felt like they blitzed on every down, and he just killed them. I mean, was just dropping dimes in there. And then I'm like, okay. All right, I, you know – thought maybe the Manning name carried a lot of weight. No, this guy is is legit. And so, yeah, it makes me feel a little old because I saw him playing in college. I saw him playing in person in college. And I was fairly old then when I saw him playing in college. So, yeah, I get you. I've gotten
0: over it now. I'll say, like, I, if you asked me, I kind of like Eli Manning at yeah. this point. But for the longest time, the way he came out and, and said, I'm not going to play for the Chargers and demanded a trade at the draft was – uh, it made him hard to like, I thought. That was one of the more privileged and loser moves. I, think, I agree with that. We, we've seen, um, and it made him unlikable for the longest time to me. Wait until Joe
1: I, Burrow does that.
0: <laughs> I, you know. Dan says not. Dan says he's going to be happy here. For the, for the sake of our storylines on this podcast, I think I could live with it. <laughs> uh,
1: I had to bring Joe Burrow. I think it's going to be, we're going to have to bring Joe Burrow up on every podcast. On every podcast. Somehow, yeah, so we goes. didn't have him as a topic, we so there was not. the so mandatory there's, there's the mandatory Joe, Joe Burrow reference.
0: All right. Last uh, topic here before our betting pick, skinny. Caesars Palace came out with its win totals for Major League Baseball. We've got the National League Central totals here to look at real quick. The Reds expected to win 83 and a half games. That is third in the division behind the cards at 88.5 games. Cubs at 86. The Brewers are behind the Reds at 83 and tied with the Reds at 83.5, and Pittsburgh is at 70 and a half games. Skinny? 83
1: and a half for the Reds. You like it? I am going to say yes because I think they got one more move in them. So I think I'd jump on that 83 and a half over. And I think the one more move whatever it would be is the one that would put me over the hump to think that this could be an 88 90ish win team. Now, there's not a lot of more. where we are
0: every year saying this this is the year that they're going to be a 90 win I team and it just never seems to actually happen. Yeah,
1: I mean 83 and a half seems like for for Reds fans it's an easy one to jump on. But the only reason I'm jumping on the over is I think there's one more move in them. Because it feels like if they don't make another move, that this is a little bit over a 500-ish team, maybe an 84-85 win team. But that doesn't leave you very much margin for error if you're taking the over. Because you're an injury or a bad performance or two away from being a sub-500 team. I mean, it is a big jump to go from, what, 74 last year to 90. That's a pretty good jump.
0: Yeah, last year they had 75 wins. 75. Um, So they'd have to win nine more games um, this upcoming season, and I think the pitching is clearly better. I think you can rely on the fact that they're not going to have as bad of an April as they did yeah. last year. Yeah, I mean, that was the
1: thing. They, they, getting off to the 1-8 and eight start just put them in a, in a complete hole. So that should make
0: you feel pretty good that they can make up some ground there. Uh, but nine games is a decent amount, and like you said, this feels a lot like an... 84-win team right now. I mean, this total feels that's what I'm saying. I'm, right I'm, on I'm the nose. I'm banking
1: on them making one more move.
0: I I don't know if I feel as confident as you are that they'll make a move that puts them over the top and makes me feel more confident about this total. At the same time, man, picking this team to go under, like, 82 wins? Yeah, I don't think I'd do that with that rotation. I don't think with with that this ro- rotation yeah. and, and, and what they feel like they've been able to do... Man, if that is the case, you have to be really pessimistic about not yes. just this year, but yes. the Reds' future period. Right. No, right. I mean, so this- just from a standpoint of having some hope as a fan, I think you have to take the over here, right? Yeah. That's, it's a good number. That's a really good number. It's right on. It feels right on. In years past, I've felt like they've been shortchanged. This year, 83.5 feels Pretty dead-on to me.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree.
0: Looking at some of the other teams in the division, do you see anyone else that stands out to you in terms
1: of too like the, high or too low? I feel low? like the Brewers go backwards. I mean, they they won 90-whatever last year. I 89, yeah. 89 last year. Um, I think they go a little backwards. Cubs, 86. Depending on if they deal somebody off, that could be an under, but I also feel like they still have enough talent to make that another. Again, that number feels right. I don't I don't feel comfortable with any of those. Last
0: year felt like a down year for the Cubs. Yeah. They were at 84. Right. 86 feels pretty good. I feel like they could be an 88-90 win team this
1: year. Yeah, but you're not giving yourself... See, for me, i got to look for margin of You need Rivera. wiggle room, yeah. Yeah, I, I want some wiggle room. Either way, I mean, a, a couple of teams on there are, are funny. Uh, Baltimore and Detroit are 55-and-a-half. I mean, think about that. They're projected to lose 106 games. A which lot. they could, Which they could do, right? They
0: could definitely do that. But... But it's a
1: lot. It's a lot. I couldn't I couldn't take it under. What about there.
0: Pittsburgh at 70, 70 and a half? They won 69 games last year. You see them taking a step forward? I
1: don't. I don't either.
0: I could see them going under that number. Yeah. I don't
1: think they're getting better. 66 and 96-ish. Yeah, I could see that being Especially under. with the Reds theoretically What about the cheaters? Give the me Bears. the
0: cheaters. All right. The Astros and the Red Sox. Astros are picked to win 97 under. games.
1: Under. Take under because they, they
0: can't cheat anymore. That feel that is a high number. Last year they won one hundred and seven, so it is a ten game drop. Yeah, but but that's a lot when you don't know what pitches are coming, right? Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's
1: what I'm told. When you don't know what pitches are coming.
0: Well, you just uh, throw them off, right? Yeah. Just switch it up more Switch it up. That's what I would do. uh, The Red Sox are picked to win 89 games. They won 84 last year. Yeah,
1: they felt like they underachieved last year significantly. Maybe they stopped sealing signs at the right times. I don't know. Yeah. The pitching wasn't as good.
0: They've they've made some moves this all season, too, that makes you
1: think they're going to take a step forward. Problem is, though, man, the Yankees are going to win 127 games. I mean, so you're going to play them 18 times or 16 times, whatever the number is. Man, I, I... can you get over ninety?
0: I don't know. I think I'm under on both the Astros and I'm the Red definitely Sox. under
1: on the Astros. I'm taking the Astros under. So I'm going to go. I'm going go to go. I'm going to go to the casino this weekend. I'm going to go make my wager on the under Astros and over Reds. I'm in
0: on that. I think I'm over. I'm over Reds. I'm under Astros.
1: And I just I, I maybe I'm going to go under uh, Pirates too. Okay, under Pirates. I'm going to go over Detroit just because all I need to do is root for a team to win fifty six games. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's very hard to do. That's that's. That's nine wins a month. You know what? I may get in on that one
0: with you. Just I can't so,
1: do the Orioles. They're terrible. Just, They're
0: bad. Just so I can cheer for the for the Tigers all year with you, I think I'm going to go for the over. Look
1: up. We're rooting 50. for – hey, can we get to 56? That's our magic number. 56 wins, boys. Let's we, get it.
0: We just need 17 more wins in the month of August <laughs> yep. to pull through. Yep, and not going to get there. All right. Skinny, let's get to our betting picks where we have wrapped up the football season for now for until now. next week's show. We got, we we got props galore next oh, week. Oh, yes, we do. Have you
1: seen some of the some of the props that are out there, by the way? There some are. Of the, oh. some of the, one, one is, will J-Lo show cleavage? Yes or no. There, there's some on... Uh, my favorite always is, how long will the national anthem be? They've got it at a minute 59, over or under. Because mostly, they're very rare two-minute national anthems. No. No.
0: That's a that's a low number. In fact,
1: one of my favorite people of all time, Josh Katzewitz, who I used to work with at the uh, at the Cincinnati Post, when he would cover sporting events, and I, th- I would assume he still does it, he would log the time of every national anthem for whatever reason. He just kept a running log of of national anthem times, just because. That's
0: the type of guy that Josh was. Yes, it was. It yes, is it. to this day. He's not, he's not and, dead. And, most,
1: and and that's what I learned from him is most national anthems are about the minute and forty second mark. Now, Whitney Houston's obviously the most one of the most famous national anthems of all time was extraordinarily and exceeding that's where when you go to an event and you're like all right like a high school event and you know that there's no band and they didn't bring Susie from the choir to sing it that they're going to play it on their phone yeah don't pull out the whitney houston one man just don't do it. it's a great rendition just don't do it let's yeah, just get yeah, on with the game
0: yeah it's really long um Two minutes is is a, a big number. You said it's one fifty nine. One fifty
1: nine, I believe, is what they said Demi Lovato's at.
0: Wow, yeah, I, that seems like an under to me. What's
1: this cleavage thing you speak of? I I, I don't know. It has <laughs> to do with, with some body parts, I believe. All right, skinny, you got our totals there for, I us for football. I do. I went three and one last week. I was completely wrong on the Packers. I was right on both the Chiefs and the over. Um and that makes me finish up in football at 129, 125, and we'll finish up with a Super Bowl still to come. Yeah, we're we going to have
0: to do enough prop bets so you can catch me. Yes, next exactly.
1: Week. You, you, I've, I've whittled it down to three is yep. what you're, you're up on me. Three wins. You went two and two. You are 132, 122, and one.
0: All right, and we do not have any football games to get to. But we do have some college basketball this week. Yes,
1: indeed. Last week, I went 4-4. Four and four. Makes me still a pretty good 49-32-3. You went 3-5, and five, and you are 42-39-3. And, three. and uh, I can't remember which game it was, but I think the Ken Palm line on a couple of games was was almost spot-freaking-on. Just and like every lines week. that's
0: the we use. Yep. All right, Friday night at 9 p.m., NKU is at Wright State. The Wolf
1: Raiders are two-point favorites. The total is 140 going we'll to go Norse to eke this one out because it'll become come one of those games down the stretch. They trade some buckets. I'm going to go NKU 73-70, so the Norse and the over.
0: I don't really like you uh, getting on the NKU bandwagon for this one. It makes me feel a little less confident that they'll win, but I also think NKU pulls this one out in a close game. 70-68, Norse win. That's NKU and the under for me.
1: And that line sounds about right, don't you think, too? maybe three at the most yeah
0: that's about what i was expecting i was thinking right state by three and a half four maybe at the at the high side um two with the way nku's been playing feels about right and again i think it comes you know we already kind of talked about this game but i'm really interested to see how nku handles loud and love if they do a good job i think they can pull out the win. i do too saturday at 6 p.m kentucky is at texas tech The Raiders are four-point favorites in that one. The total is 130.
1: I'm not going to believe the line will be that, but we have to do that for our purposes only. I think this feels more like a pick'em line to me.
0: I was thinking the same thing. This feels like too big of a line in favor of the Raiders. I like Kentucky in this one for sure. I I,
1: I do, too. I I don't think – I mean – Texas Tech to some degree is living on the laurels of last year a little yeah. bit, right? And they're still
0: solid. They have some confidence, yeah. I think, because of what they did last year. But they're just solid. Their their offense doesn't scare you like it did last year. No, not
1: not in the, not in the least. Um, I like Kentucky to go down and pull this win out. And again, I I still have my doubts about this Kentucky team. I mean, I. They're playing better, and some of it is they're playing better because of the competition. I thought the Arkansas win was a really good win. I mean, I think Arkansas is really good. I think they're an NCAA tournament team.
0: How about all the scoring by UK? You yeah. didn't think they could get in the 70s, No, in that right. Game.
1: No, I I thought they were great. And, uh, you know, Johnny Juzang in the first half came off the bench and, and gave him a little bit of a spark. And, uh, you know, maybe he starts to do that a little bit more and gives them kind of that extra score we talked about. And I think UK goes down, and takes care of business. I think it's a little bit of a defensive tussle. I'll go Kentucky 69, no, 67. 61 Kentucky wins it outright by six and it stays under the total
0: we are pretty close on that I think it's going to be a defensive struggle even more so than you I think UK 63 Texas Tech 61 UK pulls out the two-point win in a low-scoring affair UK and the under
1: for me. Yeah, Tech is coming off a game at TCU where they were getting boat raced early. It ended up being 11 was the final. It was only 65-54. I mean, they will guard, right? I mean, they will guard, and they're better at home. I mean, most of their losses, if you look, have been on the road. They did lose by five to Baylor at home, but I, I just don't think if they score enough, and this Kentucky team is good enough defensively.
0: Yeah, and UK has hit like six of, seven, six of the seven overs recently right. but against this texas yeah, I think team, that, both I, of them are defensive minded when they're at their best
1: honestly i think the line for this game will be pick them and 125 and a half when all is said and done okay so and, and again ken palm lines have been great so i'm not i'm yeah. not dissing on ken palm by by any stretch it just feels like that both of those are out of whack just a hair to me
0: all right which takes us to sunday at 4 p.m when xavier goes to creighton uh the blue Jays rather are seven
1: point favorites. the total is 141. Now that line feels right on both on both on both numbers um I think Xavier plays tough i do I think just the getting a win makes you feel better um you feel like you've at least got something to hang your hat on a little bit with the with the lineup change and gooden will likely be i can't imagine he doesn't come back and play in some way shape or form and maybe best thing for him was just to sit something out take a deep breath you' won without him all right dude. Need you for the stretch run. Let's go. Uh, and I think they play well. I just, It's just not going to be enough to, to win at Creighton, in my opinion. I'll go Blue Jays 74-70. So Xavier covers, and it goes over.
0: Now, unfortunately, we're riding along similar picks here. I, uh, I think you're right. I think it's a close game, but I don't see Xavier winning this one on the road. I think Creighton is a tough matchup for this Xavier team. Um, I'm going to say Creighton 70, Xavier 66. So that's Xavier and the under. And that takes us to our final game on the schedule, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. UC hosts SMU. The Bearcats are six-point favorites. The total is 140 in that game.
1: I like UC being back at home. Um, you know, it, this, this SMU team, if you look at them on the road, they, uh, they made a miraculous comeback to beat Vanderbilt in their last non-conference game. And Vanderbilt is Awful. I mean, they are horrible. Their last two road games in the conference, at East Carolina, they lost. And now I know East Carolina beat UC, but East Carolina is not very good. And they they lost by nine at Houston. This feels like UC's on par with Houston. I think the Bearcats get the job done. I'll go UC, UC 74-62. Bearcats by 12, and it stays under the total.
0: All right. I think uc is playing well i think they definitely win this game but for some reason it has the feel to me we talked about the point guard play of uc and also we've seen throughout this year where they get some leads and then struggle to close games out at the end i think this has kind of that feel to it i'm going to say uc 75 smoo 71 so smoo actually ends up covering that number i I think uc will be up by that number for most of the second half then lose it at the end in terms of the cover and uh they'll still win the game so smoo covers and the overhead.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at SMU schedule. I'm not sure what 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 quality win they have. They I mean, they lost to Georgetown at home, they lost at Georgia in double overtime. I mean, their wins are over New Orleans and Jacksonville State and Jackson State and Evansville and Vegas and Abilene Christian and Northwestern State and in the league their wins are over UCF at home and Temple at home and East Carolina at home. I, yeah. It's
0: not great. Uh, th- I know both these teams are different. They have different personnel yeah, and even different coaches. Right. Uh, but th- these teams have been through wars the last couple of years. I think there's still some of that yeah, feel to this game yeah, that it's maybe. a little bit of a battle. I think that might keep it a little closer, too. But I, I don't see a way UC loses. Yeah, this game. I,
1: I don't either. I think they get themselves uh, get themselves on a bit of a roll. All right, Rick, we'll be back next week. Oh, I got i got sorry. I'm sorry. Where yeah driving story driving story okay some advice some advice teaching lesson you get on occasionally interstate ramps where it's two lanes that merge to one correct i have you've done that we've all done allegedly that, right? well what, what do you think the general rule of that is As cars are kind of merging kind of every other right you kind of go every other
0: i usually just try to drive as fast as i possibly can into the yeah of course you and just that's, ram that's my way in first That's what i figured yeah
1: so i'm getting on i get on on route 18 in burlington going when I come to to downtown come north that's the way I usually go it's where I live and it's a two-lane merge into one so I'm driving guys kind of in front of me and so I slow down to let him go it's the right thing to do and so I see this person speeding up on the on the side of me I think where where are you going so I kind of slide in behind the guy let go he Beeps the horn. It wasn't a he. It was a stupid she in the end of the day. She beeps her horn like four or five times. So I, of course, let her go around me getting on. Then I go up to her with a few gestures. And I was doing two, like two lanes, two lanes, two lanes. So finally, she, she decides that she doesn't want to look at me any longer. So that's a fine. So then I got in front of her. And, of course, then we played cat and mouse down the freeway for a little bit. It's almost like, do you not understand? It's two lanes that go to one. Okay, my lane merges over. And so I let guy merge, you let me merge. Put somebody behind you, let you merge. I mean, it's really not that difficult, people. It's not hard. So fat-ass lady in van that was all (laughs) nicked up, now I know why your van's all nicked up, because you don't know how to freaking drive.
0: I I always like, um, one of my favorites is when people get mad, even though you're, like, going up to a stop. They get mad, like, if you came over in front of them, even though you're all just coming to a stop anyway. When we were leaving the IUPUI game... um, a couple weeks ago, I was driving out of this knife and gun show, which, by the way, not the best place to get into a uh, d- dispute in cars. <laughs> Good point. But that being said, I did anyway. Of course and you did. There was, there was a light that had turned red already. You know, one car's already at the light waiting. I want to get over to that lane because we're all going to turn right to get on the expressway right. in a little bit. So I go ahead and, and just slowly make my way over in front of this van who is creeping up behind this car. And this guy loses his mind with me that I – I guess, cut him off and got in front of him because um, he didn't wave me over or what have you. So he is now very, very mad and honky and flipped me off and everything else. So my go-to move, whenever that happens, is just to slow the car down to almost a halt and block these people. I'm you didn't wait for like these to, people. Like to
1: change all the way and then go.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I like that one, too. But this one, that's too many other people behind yeah, us at right. the beginning of a light. It's not just It's, not, it's him. not fair to them, right? Yeah. So, I, so I'm just screwing him later on as we're getting towards the turd, and like, no people have gone around us and stuff. So I'm just slowly going. And this guy is losing his mind. And so later on, we pull up to another light. This is multiple streets later.
1: And now you're realizing he came out of the gun show, too.
0: Where we happen to be right next to each other. And I just I wind down the window, look. And I just wave. And start smiling real big, and the guy's still real mad. So then I just happen to pull out in front of him again, slow down real hard again. He starts cussing up a storm, and then finally, all of a sudden, I look back at my rear view, and then finally, he's just laughing. And He's just—I fi- I broke him finally. He's like, it. "This I- guy I- is so committed to being a d- <laughs> to me today that I'm just gonna have to give in and laugh at him." <laughs> I-
1: I kind of like that reaction yeah, from the guy. It was good. It was yeah. good that
0: he finally showed some awareness.
1: All right, so the, the rule for today, folks, when it's a two-lane merge to one entrance, just go every other. It'd be, it's not really that difficult. The zipper speed. zipper method. Yes. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Not very hard. No. Not very hard at all. All right, that's your lesson for the day. Rick, thanks very much. We'll be back next week. Uh, don't forget we got our college basketball podcast as well after a week's hiatus when we all had wacky schedules. We'll be back with that on, on Sunday as well. So thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition.